Thank you for listening to In Tech Today. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcast app, but only after you've listened to this week's episode. Tech news and views. Recorded live in London. In Tech Today. In this episode of InTech Today, we look once again at broadband with some exciting new technology that's coming uh, and being brought in by, of all people, BT. We also look at some of the best free antivirus software out there for you. And after a few weeks of a bit of a break, we catch up with our techno dinosaur. As always, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast, And on Twitter at Pod at J-W-O-O-O-T and at SwiftyNZ. I'm Ed Swift. And I'm Josh White. And this is InTech Today for the 16th of March 2017. Welcome. Hi, how's it going? Uh, yeah, it's good. How are you? Good. Been a good week for you? Yeah, I'm... Oh, oh, excuse me. <laughs> You're um, exhausted after running between here and the camera. I ran from the camera and it hit me more than I expected. <laughs> also because it's quite warm at the moment. Mm, it is quite... It's um, unseasonably warm for, the, for this warm. week of the, the year. You know what I'm really looking forward to is when summer. we do an episode in summer. Do you know how hot this this level of my house gets? I, uh, you know, I think we take it out into the balcony. Yeah, you I open all we... the windows on a 35 degree day and it's still at least 180 on bacon. Here. Let's call it the summer edition. Let's go to a random park in London and do some tech podcasts from Rando there. Park. We could do it from, the, I know, a very good balcony in the city. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That could work. I think you know the balcony I know I'm the balcony you're talking it's about. It's a great balcony. It's got a great view. An, an Wonderful exceptional view. view. Of... It's got a view it doesn't deserve. Uh, no, really. <laughs> so yeah, we're talking. We're talking broadband antivirus. Um, we're doing a bit on streaming TV as well with with our dinosaur today. Yep, she's uh, she's back. She's back in the can, ready, ready for another enlightening week back with where she can uh, learn a bit about how to use her technology at home. How to how to technology? <laughs> well, that's what we should have called the podcast. How to te- well, we already had the website address. Oh yeah, yeah we did right. we really branded the wrong way. Yeah, we should. What web addresses do we already own? This one. Okay, let's call it. Well, that. it was either that or SwiftyNZ, <laughs> which is not really. Hello and welcome to SwiftyNZ. Yeah, that, that's really just me. Yeah, yeah. And the, I, I listen to that podcast. It's awful. Well, it's not really. It, it's pretty good. Should, should we get on with it? <laughs> yeah, let's let, <laughs> let, let's talk about some stuff. Now we, not we, I have talked about broadband a lot over the last few weeks. Yep. Too much? Well, I wouldn't say too much. It's, uh, it's been topical. It, it has yeah, been topical. It has been topical, especially since we've all switched broadband in the last few yeah. weeks. But there is actually uh, two pieces of news in broadband this week. Uh, there's good news and there's bad news. I'm turning myself down. There we go. I don't know how to mix that's a bit better. Uh, there's good news and there's bad news. Tell me more. Well, we'll start with the bad news. Okay. Well, it's been billed as good news. I don't think it's great news. So, um, I guess first a bit of a history lesson. Very, very brief history lesson. Please don't leave school, us listening. Josh. So, in Britain, and this is how it worked in most Commonwealth countries, uh, when the phone systems were being built out and expanded to every house, they were owned by the post office, mm-hmm. uh, which was a government department at the time. Yep. Uh, and then, sometime in the 80s, Britain, and again, most Commonwealth countries, split off the telephone and telegraph division of the post office into a separate corporation, still government-owned, generally called something along the lines of telecom. Yep. British Telecom, Telecom Australia, Telecom New Zealand. Mm. None of them are called any of those things anymore. No, they've all seemed to have changed a few. Well, except for 
British Telecom. They've kind of no, adapted. no, no, no. Their their full name now is British Telecommunications. Oh, oh, yeah. it's just just a just a wee change. That's right. Um, so then, what happened is, so you then got this one company that owns all the lines and sells all the services. Okay, and that works pretty well for just telephone because everyone needs phone and it just costs what it costs. But the internet comes along, and you want competition. Yep. So to open up competition, other internet providers come along and start offering internet on the lines owned by your BT or your Telstra or your Telecom, now Spark, in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where we're at uh, today in Britain. In Australia, uh, they're doing some weird stuff with the National Broadband Network and Telstra sold some old crappy lines or something. I haven't quite kept up to date with that. Mm -hmm. In New Zealand, the government forced Telecom, now Spark, to sell off the lines. And in Britain... Ofcom, which is the Office of Communications, the government regulator, has wanted BT to split off its lines division, which it calls OpenReach, to open up competition. Ideally for Ofcom, that becomes a separate company, which is what happened in New Zealand, which yep. is Chorus. And that has worked quite well for competition, because hmm. uh, Chorus now treats all retailers, including the former telecom, the same. Okay. Um, and Ofcom's concern is that while OpenReach is part of BT, uh, the relationship between BT retail and open reach, which is the lines, will be much closer than the relationship between other retailers such as Talk Talk or Sky and Open Reach. Mm -hmm. So BT thinks well we've got to do something because we don't want the government to force us to sell open reach because that's that's a big cash cow for them. Yeah. Uh, so what they do is say we're going to we're going to separate open reach, but we're still gonna own it. And we're still going to control who's on the board of OpenReach, and they're still going to answer to BT's shareholders. But it's going to be totally separate, guys. It'll be fine. So BT says it's a great thing. Ofcom says for now it satisfies what they want. I say it's a terrible thing because it's just delaying the inevitable. Mm. The lines need to be split off um, so that you get that competition in the industry. Um, you get a single company and all they focus on is your cabling and they treat every provider equally. Mm. That's the ultimate solution. That's what happens with electricity. In every area of the UK, there's a company that owns the power lines and they treat every electricity retailer the same. The same. So mm. that's ideal. Well, will we see... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think this what BT have done, it's a pretty good step. In fact, as some of their competition, Sky uh, put out a statement last week saying uh, it's a welcome step they've called, for, uh, they've long called for on behalf of customers. Yeah. More independent open reach is a step towards delivering a better service and the investment the UK needs. I mean, obviously, the, the other broadband and lines retailers... Uh, sorry, all the, all the consumer-facing retailers, yeah, yeah. They're, they're all happy with this decision. Well, like Sky said, it's a step. Just one step. And I think another step will need to be taken. Why not take it now? Um, and I especially thought this on Friday because we've talked about before how uh, to get for, for Britain to remain competitive and have really good Internet connections all over the country. It needs fiber optic laid to all urban areas, basically, yep. not just the nominal fiber optic we have now where the last final connection from the cabinet to the house or the business is still on an old copper wire because that doesn't it, it's fast today in five years time. Who knows what we'll need it for? It may not be fast enough. So on Friday, that's what I thought, because BT has refused to put the money in for so long to do these copper connections, saying it's too expensive. Then Tuesday came along and oh, here's yeah. the good news. So and and. 
I, I find it interesting that, that this is their solution, but BT being BT and not wanting to spend money, instead of putting in what we worked out last week to be about 10 billion or 10.5 billion pounds to lay fibre to all urban areas of Britain, they've laid out a bunch of money instead researching a new technology called GFAST. That sounds exciting. It's a good... I, I like the branding. GFAST. GFAST. I can see the marketing campaign already. So, is it fast? No, it's GFAST. <laughs> Well, I mean, but that's the kind of name you can see people saying, oh, I just got a new GFAST connection installed. Oh, my God, is it really fast? Let's, mm. And every, It's like when you got the first radio in the 20s. Everyone comes around and listens to the radio. Everyone come around and look at my download speeds. Maybe that's just me. Uh, <laughs> you'll come around if I get GFAST, Ed, won't yeah, you? Yeah, of come course, look, of course. Come check out my download speeds. Um, <laughs> But what GFAST is, they've been working on it for a number of years, and sort of in the industry, people have been talking about it quite excitably, mm. um, because it, it still uses the old copper lines. Yep. It doesn't sound good. It's a great sound effect. Um, <laughs> but what it does is, is, is it allows you to, uh, in theoretical situations, it allows you to have speeds of up to five gigabits per second on a copper line. That's pretty damn fast, considering what on a cop line you're getting at most about eighty, seventy-eight, eighty. Yeah, 80 so that's gigabits. about it's about sixty-five times faster than the fastest you can get on a copper line that right now. That is pretty good. So, so what? And it's five times faster than the fastest any retailer will let you get on a proper fiber line. So it's even faster than you can get fiber at the moment, theoretically. Mm. Uh, at the moment, OpenReach are only rolling out packages uh, of a lower tier package of up to one hundred and fifty megabits a second which is still twice what you can get mm -hmm. existing, uh, and an upper-tier package of 330 megabits a second, uh, which is more than the fastest package, the fastest widely available broadband package, which is on Virgin Media, and that's 200 megabits. Yep. So that's 150% faster than the fastest widely available broadband you can get right now. It's exciting. So then in that case, if they're able to do this with the existing copper lines, why do we need to worry about investing in fiber in, in proper fibre to the building now. Well, I'm glad you asked that, Ed. I'm it's almost like we scripted this. We, we didn't. didn't. <laughs> um, we really, really didn't. Um, the, the, it, it does sound good because you can get these fast speeds. You don't have, have to install any new lines for BT or the now separate open reach. They just need to upgrade cabinets and areas progressively and do that over the next few years. But the copper line's very old. Mm. They are ageing. Um, and they need replacing often. They need fixing up often. They're actually quite expensive um, to buy if you're replacing them as often as they need to be. It, copper is uh, not a great technology in terms of maintenance costs, and it's not future-proofed. Um, a glass fiber can theoretically, again, stay in the ground for 100-plus years, and it will never need patching or replacing because they don't fray. Um, if it's well-built, it will just work for a very, very, very long time. Uh, the other reason you want to put fiber in is because the speed limit, theoretical speed limit, is the speed of light. The only slowdown to that for us at the moment is the technology we put at each end of the cable. So mm -hmm. as we progressively upgrade what we have at each end of the cable, we can get closer to the speed of light. So then why, data. Do, why don't they come up with a plan that, okay, for now, copper's going to be okay, especially once they develop this G, uh, this G fast. Yeah. G fast. Oh, G fast. Um, technology. Yeah. But, you know, new builds should be, or, and new areas, when they're developed, they lay fiber cables to the buildings, and that way they're slowly upgrading it. That way, you know, so in 2030, years time they can then finish yeah. the rest of the country they can they they can sort of so arrange it so they're not rolling it out within a matter of years but yeah. they're slowly doing it as they develop 
new new areas and new new buildings. The only reason I can think of that is government inertia. Ah. The government says, well, look, BT is doing these things and it must be fine. Hmm. Um, but the end result is it's not the perfect solution. But what we're getting is this very, very, very fast uh, broadband. It's going to be rolled out across the UK. Uh, OpenReach says most of the UK, in quotation marks, by 2025. So, Well, if Scotland leave, whenever, the, if Scotland leave the UK, that's another chunk of the country that I have to exactly, worry about. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, 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 so that will come. So that will come. Mm. The big question I had, though, is how much is it going to cost? It's probably going to be quite pricey, I can imagine. You would think it would be quite pricey. Um, and I asked the... I, I, this week, I asked a number of ISPs. I went to Sky, I went to TalkTalk, Talk, uh, and I went to Plusnet, which itself is, is a sub-brand of BT. It's used as their budget brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, do you have any idea how much this is going to cost? Considering connections now being rolled out, the first customer has been connected, and OpenReach will progressively connect areas from now on. First of all, there is no mention of GFast anywhere on BT's website. Okay, and I don't. They, they have. They've been a major part of developing. You'd think they'd this. want to be putting people on it. Yeah, or at least getting people excited about it before it comes. There's yeah. no mention on BT's website. Uh, Sky declined to make any comment whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows what their packages are going to be? Uh, and Talk Talk. Uh, I had a spokeswoman at Talk Talk say, "I'll have a look and come back to you." Still hasn't come back. Hasn't come back to me. So we, we may hear from Talk Talk. Um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Well, the cost that OpenReach are going to charge your retailers is exactly the same, more or less, as the cost that they charge for existing fiber. So nine pounds ninety five a month is what they'll charge your retailers for the line rental, and forty nine or ninety nine pounds for installation, which is about what the retailers have to pay OpenReach now yep. for existing fiber. So if the retailers bring out pricing that is significantly higher than what we pay now, we're getting ripped off. And that's all I know so far. Well, um, I'm sure we'll be uh, updating you as as more comes as the off the situation us and, progresses, and as people get back to you. Uh, well, yeah, if if people get back yeah. to me, yeah. bring on G fast. Well, the world is a dangerous place, wouldn't you agree, Josh? Yeah, yeah. I nearly um, got hit by um, by a parking warden oh. speeding through a red light yesterday. Oh, you're right. Uh, yeah, I'm fine. Oh, that's good. But um, it was. Parking warden, come on! You're supposed to follow the rules. No, they're good at parking. Oh right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. God, I got confused. Anyway, the world is a dangerous place. So far in this podcast, we've talked about plenty of bad things out there to get to get you from smart TVs that theoretically could listen to your conversations, uh, to the future of bio- biometrics, as well as that guy who happens to be leading the United States of America at the moment. But today, it's time to look at a simple thing you can do to protect yourself from some of the bad people out there. It's time to look at antivirus software. Um, mm. Josh, do you remember back in the nineties when uh, you had to go down to uh, you know, a computer retailer like Dick Smith Electronics, rest in peace. Pick up one of those big yep. software boxes or off the shelves. Perhaps uh, in the UK, somewhere like Dixon's. Oh, good old Dixon's. Which now no longer exists on the high street either. No. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. The, the, the retail space really changed, hasn't it? Thanks, Internet. <laughs> Things are cheaper. <laughs> but, you, you know, you used to have to go to, down to one of those shops, pick up yep. one of those big software boxes off the shelves, which yes. was filled mostly with air, yep. um, and would have had a CD. Yeah, remember Sometimes those? Sometimes two. Sometimes if two the CDs. Was big enough. And if it was even, you know, if it was early 90s, it may not have been a CD, it may have been a series of floppy disks. Yes, yes, it would have been. Yeah. Um, and it would have some basic instructions inside the box as well. Yeah. You'd take it home, you'd install it, which would take. Basic it, instructions about that thick, by yep. the way. <laughs> An inch or two. Yeah. Um, you know, you'd take it home, you'd install it, that would usually take at least an hour, maybe two or three. Um, and. 
that would only protect your computer for so many years and then yeah. you have to upgrade it uh, buy a whole new software package pay you know Norton or whoever um, to get the latest version of internet security a lot of money too it no, was a 50, lot of money 50, 60 pounds well, yeah I was, I was looking at the prices it would cost you back uh, about in the day 50 dollars 50 US dollars which back, back in, in the, the day 90s would have been about was, 100 uh, not 100 pounds 25 pounds w- sorry but, the, but that but that was a lot of money Guaranteed. in the nineties because pay exactly. you know people got paid a lot less. The pound was worth a lot more. Remember when the pound was worth something? <laughs> it it was, was only last year. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're still a bit bitter about that, aren't you? Oh, but. that's because I brought all my savings over from New Zealand, and four months later we decide to screw it all. Do you need? Are you all right? You well, uh, this, okay. is not, this is not this is not for okay. intake today. It's okay, bro. It's okay. Anyway, those were good times, right? The nineties. Remember the nineties? Yeah. Luckily for all of us. It's a lot easier now and cheaper Yay. than ever before. And in a lot of cases, you can actually protect your computer for free. Yes. Um, there are a number of free antivirus software packages out there. They've mm-hmm. been around for quite a long time. And it's as simple as downloading it, installing it, which may take 10, 15 minutes compared to the several hours it used to. <laughs> um, and you'd be protected. Um, you'd have all the up-to-date uh, antivirus definitions. So yeah. nothing could penetrate your computer. And that sort of stays up-to-date, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's it updates as it goes, as yeah. opposed to... You know, having to download, bear in mind this again, the 90s, having to download, um, you know, updates from Norton or whoever over a dial-up connection. It would take a long time. So let's start with a few, looking at a few of the free ones out there. Okay. Let's start with AVG. Um, big name. Big name. Big name. They've been around for a while. They were really the ones that revolutionized free antivirus software. Uh, they've been protecting home computers for years, and for the most part, it has been an excellent product. Yes. It's something I personally have used for the last 10 years, and it still rates highly when it comes to independent testing. For example, AV Comparatives, which is seen as one of the uh, the leading antivirus um test websites out there has AVG in its highest category for its real world protection tests so that's pretty damn good however AVG does have its downsides and it's uh, been slowly getting worse over the last couple of years it uses a lot of system resources so it can slow down your computer Mm. or in some cases even bring it to halt especially if it's an old PC uh, which is probably in need of upgrading or um maybe even tossing and buying a completely brand new one. That's the problem I had with AVG. Yeah. Is it just things came to a crawl, especially combining AVG with using a really intense web browser like Chrome. Yeah. Just... It it can basically choke your computer to death. On top of that, every day or so, I would get a notification trying to either sell me their paid product or upgrade to something for a special price or selling me uh, something completely different. You know, once a week, I wouldn't mind that, but every day getting some sort of some sort of notifica- notification 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 that's an antivirus term there. Uh, you know, it was just annoying. Um, th- there are some other ones. While AVG has been good for the last uh, ten fifteen years or so in terms of free virus protection. Uh, there are some new ones that are making waves. Avira. It's a new one I've been trialling over the last few weeks. And okay. all in all, it's actually pretty damn good. Okay. Um, again, it's rated highly in independent testing. It scans your computer very quickly. Um, and it's relatively unobtrusive. Um, while it does scan files and 
everything very quickly. You may find things can slow down when you're running a scan, and occasionally, but only occasionally, you might see an offer to upgrade to the paid version of the program. Of course. Which, you know, I can see, you know, they want your money. They, they <laughs> that's, can't, that's what business is. It's not a charity, is they it? They can't give away everything for free. Once every so often, that's fine. Every day like AVG, eh. Um, another one out there that's, that's doing quite well is Bitdefender. Yes. Um, it doesn't use too many system resources. It's quite light. It's a simple interface, and its protection is very good. However, it's not as customizable as the other two I've mentioned, um, and there's no option for a quick st- scan. It also, sadly, doesn't support Windows 10, which, if you're buying a new computer... You know, you you, got you, Windows 10. you've got Windows 10, especially if you've bought something in the last th- two, three, four years. Even. Yeah, yeah. The key to when it comes to antivirus software, it's deciding what matters to you. Obviously, you want something that can scan your whole computer as well as files as they're downloaded from the internet or put on your computer from a USB. Mm. Um, you also need to figure out what else it offers. So, for example, if you don't use a program like Outlook, you may not need something like email attachment scanning because if you're using Gmail, it's going to do that for you before it downloads it anyway. And then as you're downloading it, your virus scan's going to, uh, your antivirus is going to scan that anyway. Yeah. Um, the other key tip, and this is something that a lot of people don't realize, is to... Not, don't rule out what you might get free with a new computer or what might what might be provided by your ISP. A lot of new yeah. computers will come with at least a 30-day trial of some virus software. Sometimes it may even be a year's subscription. Brilliant. Um, you know, there's no point downgrading to a free one if you've got a pretty good paid one already going. And then in a year's time, you can evaluate, okay, do I want to keep that one? Do I want to fork out the extra $40, 40 quid, um, Or do I want to downscale it to a free yeah. version just don't forget to check in a year because it may just roll on anyway and well, you didn't want it to well it will it will come up with those annoying pop-ups saying you have 29 days <laughs> left of your subscription um of course your isp uh, may offer something as well most, um, most do most do for example yeah. bt uh, offers what they call v, uh, bt virus protect which comes free with all broadband connections uh, you can get it um with for two of your devices yeah and it's essentially their own branded version of McAfee Intel Security, which is pretty good. Yeah, and I think with TalkTalk, Talk, I think they offer us Norton. Yeah, so you I don't want to say that for sure. They offer us something pretty good. I haven't taken it up because, um, and this is probably an important point to to make, is uh, like this laptop is what I guess you'd call a closed garden system. Mm-hmm. So this laptop doesn't run Windows or Mac OS. It runs Chrome OS, which is Google's operating system. The only applications that can run on it are ones that Google have pre-approved themselves so there just aren't ways to infiltrate the system it's certainly one of the most secure computer systems around the same thing goes for things like uh, iPhones or your Android or Mac, smartphone Macs as well or Macs to, to a point I mean there are some there are some vulnerabilities in Mac it's certainly more than there used to be yep. um, but with your smartphone if you've got things like uh, if you've locked down third-party installations uh, and you're just careful about what apps you download you generally don't need uh, virus protection on your smartphone phone unless it is a smartphone that's more than a couple of years old it hasn't been updated recently mm. then that may be important but if you've got a relatively new phone you should be okay because they tend to just slow phones down yeah. and again with chrome os you're fine google's got you covered for free yeah i mean the only reason i run a um virus protection on this phone here is because you know i maybe d- i occasionally do download third-party apps yeah. so you know because i'm not installing from the official google play store occasionally um you know, I do have, there is that extra level of protection there. Absolutely. Um, if you do want to splash a bit of cash, 
that's fine. Not everyone wants a free one. Some people do want to fork out a little bit of money money to protect their computers. Hey, big spender. And there are plenty of options out there. Uh, Bitdefender Plus, uh, more customizable, still very light, uh, as well as Kapersky. Uh, they use relatively light resources on your computer. So perfect if your laptop is, what, three to four years old, it's starting to mm. slow down, and you don't want something that's going to hog the resources on the computer. And that's been around for a long time too, Kaspersky. Yeah. Very well trusted. I don't know how to pronounce it. Kaspersky. I don't know. The one with a K and with a ski. Sky. Ski. Ski Sky. Sky. Okay. Um... So they use relatively light resources. Yeah. Perfect for older computers. While uh, something like Norton Internet Security is very good at protecting everything with its suite of products, but it is using heavy. it is very heavy when it comes to system resources. Weighty. Um, so you know, only good if you've got a PC that's been bought in the last few years or so. Um, I do have one minor tip: if you are installing a new piece of antivirus, it is. Uh, it's so important to actually uninstall the old one because if you've got if you've installed a new one and the old one's still running those two are going to clash and they're going to cause mayhem for your computer it's and it's just going to give you headaches while you try to it's close it down restart fun. it um, uninstall it afterwards which it may throw a hissy fit so do uninstall your uh, antivirus before you install the new one it just yeah. makes things a little bit easier on you yeah. um, and good luck at staying protected out there it's time for the Techno Dinosaur. I'm so excited that she's back. She's back. She's back. It's that time where we ask our good friend Michelle, who is, by her own admission, a bit of a techno dinosaur. She actively avoids a lot of technology because she's a bit um, not confident with it, I suppose. And, yeah. and and there is a learning curve on a lot of new that technology. That is the thing with technology, though. It is about confidence. You've got to, you know, for some people, it's a very scary thing. And, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, you'll just be like, nah, don't want to deal with it. Not going to, not going to bother. Yeah. This week, it's to do with streaming. How can I get streaming services like Netflix to my TV? Very, very simple question. Uh, one that a lot of people ask. My dad asked me this every fortnight for about a year until before he got an Apple TV, which which works for him. So It works. Yeah. It's fine. So, so streaming services. We've got Netflix, yep. uh, things like BBC iPlayer, uh, Now TV, uh, things like that. Um, Back home, things like TVNZ On Demand yeah. and... Uh, Light Three box. now, Lightbox, um, the other one, Neon, Neon. I, th I think yeah. they have Chromecast things support for streaming to the TV. They didn't for a long time, Neon. But anyway, this is we're, going, we're getting very nitty gritty here. Um, the so yeah, and and it's all well and good watching that on your laptop screen or your tablet, but it's a TV service, and you've got a big. LCD screen in your living room for a reason. Sometimes you don't want to have to be crowding around your laptop with yeah. four of your flatmates. Yeah. So, the, yes, there are very easy ways to get streaming services onto your TV. Ed, what do you use? I personally use uh, Chromecast. Okay. Um, so it's very little, popular. Very popular. It's a little dongle that Google came out with, yeah. what, about three, four years ago? Yeah, it was. I've got one of the first generation ones somewhere in the cupboard. Now, I got that like quite a while ago. Since then, they've come out with a few new versions of it. In fact, they've even come out with an audio-only version of it for your stereo. But that's something completely different by the by um, it's as simple as literally plugging it into your TV yeah 
connecting it to your Wi-Fi, yeah. it will run you basically by turning the TV on and going to that HDMI channel where your Chromecast is plugged in. Yeah. It will run you through an easy setup on how to get it going. Um, Five and minutes tops. Literally, it is the easiest thing in the world. And then it's as simple as going to an app on your phone like Netflix, like Now TV, like BBC iPlayer, and just pressing the Chromecast button mm. and it will send it to your TV. Um, on top of that, there are other apps that support it. VLC, if you've got videos that are actually on your phone, mm. uh, you can Chromecast. Plus, if you wanted to share a web page that you're looking at um, on your computer, we used it the other night for Deliveroo. Oh, trying to everyone look at the menu. Yeah, everyone look at the menu it's on fantastic. the TV. We'll quickly build it, build up our order and then press go. And it was fantastic. It was easy. Yeah. It's so easy. So so that, so Chromecast is, is one of the two big options. Mm. Um, and But essentially it is uh, it plugs into your TV but it's not an active device if you get what I'm saying where you need to look up what you're wanting to watch on another device and then bounce it to the Chromecast yeah. in a way don't you yeah, exactly. whereas the other option and this is one I use now is the Amazon Fire TV mm-hmm. and that's a stick you can get they just introduced a new model and I'm gutted because I bought my one two months ago <laughs> it's always the way that's isn't it? fine I actually got a really good deal on it so I'm happy and it mm-hmm. does work the difference with the Amazon Fire TV is that it has a menu interface so it comes with a remote and I can scroll through the Netflix app on the Fire TV so I don't have to look things up on my phone. I still can if I want to, mm. but a lot of people do prefer to have that interface on the TV where they can see what they're looking at. Yep. Uh, other than that, it works broadly similar to the Chromecast. You get it and it's a little dongle, you plug it into your TV, it's a five-minute setup, uh, and you're away laughing, mm. uh, which is excellent. On top of that, there are a few other options. There is uh, something like Apple TV, yeah. uh, which is probably closer to the Fire Stick than the Chromecast. Yeah. It's know. a premium option and for me I don't think it's worth the extra money you don't get a whole lot of extra benefit unless you really well actually no what, what extra benefit do you get I think it depends on where you are in the world you probably get a lot more out of it if you're in the US where various channels have That's uh, made true. apps for Apple TV That's back true. home in New Zealand there's not as much but if you do rent movies on the iTunes store yeah. um, you know you can easily just send it to your Apple TV yeah. and you're away but you can usually do those sorts of things on other devices so don't think just because you use iTunes or have a Mac that you have to get the app Apple TV shop around Uh, the other one we actually use is when we got uh, we did this with both BT Broadband and now with TalkTalk both of them offer uh, TV boxes a set top box for their uh, paid TV services Mm -hmm. Um, but those boxes both also let us stream Netflix iPlayer that sort of thing just through our usual TV watching interface which is really really handy Mm -hmm. so that that just comes with the set top box so if you have a pay TV service you might find you can already stream things through there I know you can uh, with the Virgin TiVo box can do that. The Sky is limited, isn't it? You can Sky, only stream Sky stuff. The Sky, you can stream anything that's available on the channel's catch-up services. So, for example, yeah. BBC, ITV, right. all that sort of stuff is available there. Plus, Sky have their own box sets. Yes. You, if you have a premium package, uh, you can just say, I want to watch The West Wing. It will download it. It will be available within a couple of minutes. Um, and then, you know, as once that, while you're watching that one, once it's finished downloading, it will start downloading the, epi- the next episode for Excellent. you. Excellent. Um, but effectively, it's, it's not... It's not necessarily streaming. It's more downloading a program to your set-top box. Um, Finally, the other one to look at is if you've got a TV, see what's available already built in. You may Uh, have a smart TV. If you have a smart TV, a lot of apps like Netflix, uh, like BBC iPlay, they may already be built in. So you don't have to necessarily worry about going out to buy an extra device. You can just uh, go to your smart TV menu, download an app there, or even if it's already built in, just go to the Netflix app, for example. 
log in and you're away. Yeah. The caveat there, though, is uh, TV companies are notoriously bad for supporting smart TVs in the long run. Um, the apps just drop off or stop working because BBC, uh, in fact, this was a big one, and BBC upgraded the iPlayer either last year or the year before. Uh, and one of the TV manufacturers just didn't follow through with it. And suddenly all these people with smart TVs, no more iPlayer. Mm. Um, but if it works now, keep using it. When it stops working, go out and get, and get, get a, get a device. Or yeah. a fire. Just yeah. whatever you do, you don't have to be plugging your laptop into the HDMI port. That's so 2010. 2011 for me. Yeah, 2011. Yeah, I still had the long, long HDMI cable back home. That's all the time we have, isn't it? It's, uh, it's gone very quickly, in fact. It has. Always does. It's always a pleasure. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Yep, we've enjoyed it. We've enjoyed it. Don't forget you can stream us every Thursday yep. on our Facebook page, facebook.com uh, slash Podcast. Yep, uh, we're on. We're still on Twitter and all that stuff. But You'll this, hear the details. There's an American guy who's going to tell you that uh, very shortly. He doesn't have a name or anything. Um, <laughs> we didn't want to give him a name. We didn't want to get too close to him. No, 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 no. We are the podcast, not this voice yeah. of the guy. Anyway, on that note, <laughs> thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. We Goodbye. absolutely will. Technology questions? Comments? You can contact the show on Facebook, In Tech Today Podcast, on Twitter, In Tech Today Pod, or at the website, intech.today.